Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the journey of an amateur piano player aiming to play advanced level pieces one day. Pieces like George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. So in order to enjoy this ride, every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the way. It could be anywhere from the year 1600 all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history that surrounds the work and examine the music within. And hopefully, we'll all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. And together, we will build on this foundation so that we can tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 11.3, the third episode in our continuation of a series celebrating the different forms of popular media where we hear classical piano music today. We've spent two weeks looking at selections from film scores, but this week, we're going to turn our attention to the small screen, especially since it seems with each passing year, television is stealing more and more of the thunder from the silver screen. Television did not become a household staple until the 1950s, but now in the 2020s, with thanks to a global pandemic that kept everyone indoors, it's now threatening to steal the main stage away from film. One facet of television that has been a staple from its early days is the television theme song. It could be a popular song that ends up becoming a breakaway radio hit, or it may be an instrumental classical piece. Back in the 1950s, before the invention of the remote control and the development of our attention deficit instant gratification societal tendencies, the average television theme song lasted an entire minute. Today, this is shortened to almost half that time at 35 seconds on average these days. Rolling Stone magazine polled its readers about the best TV themes of all time, and this is what topped the list. That's right, Cheers, where everybody knows your name is widely considered one of the most popular television themes of all time. But curiously, it only peaked at number 83 on the Billboard music charts. Television themes used to have great crossover mass appeal to radio, especially during the 60s and 70s. In fact, 42 television themes have reached the upper echelon on the music charts over the years, but not a single one after the year 2000. TV themes have been on a downward spiral since the 1990s because advertisers wanted to milk as many seconds as possible from the time slot and wanted to discourage people sitting at home from changing the channel. You know, you have to hook the audience as soon as possible. No time for silly songs. To illustrate this point, the first season of the TV staple Law & Order had a theme song lasting 77 seconds. But by the time the 20th season rolled around, it was cut to just 47. Just enough time to squeeze in an extra 30 second ad. These days, the visuals to the opening sequence are almost as important as the music. Take the opening sequence from Game of Thrones, for instance, 
To accompany the epic, iconic theme music, a detailed, entirely digital living map of the show's main locations is explored by a constantly moving camera. This sequence took a team of 35 people three months to complete. Because of shows like this, with extreme attention to detail, the New York Times has declared this the era of the elaborate opener. But today, we're going to head back to the early 90s, right at the point where the television theme song began to lose its battle to ad revenue. Maybe even at a time when the theme song peaked? The pun is completely intended. With the cult classic mystery show, Twin Peaks. While Rolling Stone viewers may have picked Cheers as number one, the magazine itself called the soundtrack of Twin Peaks the most influential soundtrack in TV history. A lofty compliment. For those unfamiliar with the show, Twin Peaks is set in a typical American town in the Pacific Northwest, with all of the familiar tropes of a classic 50s comedy. A diner staffed by past and present beauty queens, serving hot coffee and an otherworldly cherry pie. A charming romance between the doofus sheriff's deputy and the quirky receptionist. And a high school filled with boys and girls next door. But Twin Peaks takes this setting and pulls back the curtain on the facade of a wholesome Americana. Did I mention the show was created by David Lynch? Exposing the dark underbelly behind glitz and glamour has kind of been his overlying career theme. One of the very first scenes of the show's pilot, which in itself is a masterclass of world building, is the discovery of a young girl's dead body. Laura Palmer, the beautiful youth whose death will haunt the entire show. She's murdered, but what? In Twin Peaks? How can that happen? Who could do something like this? Her parents and friends are destroyed, and the whole town is shaken. But as the episodes progress, we learn that nearly all the characters have a dark side to them, and Twin Peaks is full of secrets. To provide the music for the show, Lynch hired Angelo Badalamenti to create a soundscape for this darkly skewering soap opera. Badalamenti was working on the music for Twin Peaks while also working on an album for his friend Julie Cruz, a song called Falling that was originally written for her album ended up transforming into an instrumental version that served as the classic theme song of Twin Peaks. Julie herself actually ended up singing the song on the show, playing an ethereal chanteuse at a local bar. This theme does a lot of the emotional heavy lifting on the show. Not only do we hear it in its entirety during the opening credits, but it plays frequently when characters share emotional moments. You can't get through the first two episodes of Twin Peaks without having this theme cemented into your subconscious. I think it hits all of the marks. It's unabashedly romantic and almost saccharine in one respect, representing that glossy Americana soap opera face 
but at the same time, it has a longing, dreamlike quality that gives it a sense of timelessness. Mark Frost, one of the main writers on the show, said it gave you a very specific sense of time and place that felt outside of real time and real place. It helped elevate the show into the mythological realm. And to be honest, to dissect it any further than that would kind of take the essence out of it. It's the first thing you'll hear in an episode of Twin Peaks, so I think it's appropriate to go into it a bit cold. I will say I had some fun with this recording and did something a little different by adding in a second track of strings to help recreate that emotional pull that the theme brings with it on the show. But let's jump right into it. This is the main theme to Twin Peaks by Angelo Badalamenti.
Now, I know I mentioned that this theme does a lot of the heavy emotional lifting on the show, and that's true, but it has a partner, and I couldn't imagine letting this episode go by without discussing both of them, because they're thematically linked. If the main theme isn't being used during emotional scenes throughout the show, then you'll likely be hearing Laura Palmer's theme. The music ascribed to the dead girl that haunts the town's inhabitants and symbolizes the darkness that runs through the town's veins. It plays whenever anyone in town mourns her or talks about her death, but it also branches out to other characters and purposes as the show progresses. Even Laura's theme is used as a symbol to illustrate the darkness that spreads throughout the town. The story goes that David Lynch and Angelo Badalamenti wrote this theme in 20 minutes at the piano. There's a great video of Badalamenti describing this experience in detail that I'll post on my Twitter later this week, so be sure to check that out. But I'll try to summarize it here. Lynch had a vision of the woods at night. The wind is blowing, an owl hoots, there's darkness. So Badalamenti played this. A slow chord progression accompanied by a plodding bass. Then Lynch said to picture a distressed teenage girl emerging from the darkness. Miss Laura Palmer herself. So Badalamenti grew an achingly romantic, beautiful theme from the darkness. And as she gets closer, it builds. until it reaches a climactic chord. And then it fades back into the darkness. Lynch was instantly pleased with this theme that juxtaposes underlying darkness and pure beauty. And he told Badalamenti, don't change a single note. That is Twin Peaks. So here it is, Twin Peaks in a nutshell. Laura Palmer's theme by Angelo Badalamenti.
So I'm actually in the middle of re-watching Twin Peaks right now, because my wife hadn't seen it before. I haven't seen the show in probably over 10 years, but these two musical themes have stuck with me all that time. It could be the way they are repeated incessantly throughout the show, or the fact that they're just beautifully simplistic, but they definitely deserve their spot in history for landmark television theme songs. Next week, we're going to close out this fun little detour with a look into an avenue of pop culture that some of you may be entirely unfamiliar with as we listen to a piece from a video game called Final Fantasy VII. And trust me, video game music has come a long way since Mario. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. I'll be sure to post that video about the creation of Laura's theme this week on my Twitter. So be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't already done so. And while you're hitting buttons, please hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain some traction. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. Talk to you in a week.